Welcome back to Happily Bubbly Ever After with me. A lot of dine-in restaurants are now opening the door for diner like me to come in, sit down, and consume food inside the establishments. These dine-in restaurants only operate at 50% capacity. I feel like winning the lottery every time I get to sit inside. I would like to thank the Cheesecake Factory for this table. It's my absolute honor to be here. There's something about coming in, looking at the fine art displays on the restaurant menus, getting this mean look from the waitress while placing my order, and witnessing the many ways that my order can be messed up that I just love, love, love. There's just something special about the whole experience that I just miss so much. This prompted me to look up the histories of dying restaurant. When did people started to leave their home and eat in restaurant? What motivated them to do such things? Who did it first? Where did they do it at? Turn out, it's not just me who like to eat inside a restaurant like a human being. Who like to get waited and served by other human being and then deciding how much I should tip another human being for their service. Thank goodness that doesn't make me weird because there are others that like this sort of thing too because the history of restaurant is dated back to the 1500s. I mean long, long, long time ago in the far land of China. China's businessmen were traveling to different cities and being men obviously they wasn't accustomed to any food aside from the food that their wives were cooking for them back home no 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 uh, we cannot eat the strange food that would make us sick we need our wife food Luckily, before these men was all perish and die because of hunger, something super dope happened. Restaurant was set up so that these businessmen can eat their homey food while on the road. I mean, people coming from the south can now eat southern food. People coming from the north can now eat northern food. Ironically, ethnics restaurant was the first restaurant. This pioneer Chinese ethnic restaurant owner was smart. They positioned themselves in lively entertainment district to cater to business travelers. So unless you was in the downtown touristy sport back in the day, good luck finding a dying restaurant. Also, if you was into road trip back in the 1500s in China, you have two choices. You either pack your wagon to the max if you want to travel off the beaten path you can just come to the touristy areas. I mean, if you can make it to town, you won't regret it. In town, you have the option of going to a noodle shop, a dim sum restaurant amazingly put together, or just a little joint, small place, if that is your cup of tea. Dying restaurant back then was ranging from fancy restaurant to a simple hole in the wall like it is today. Basically, just the same setup at Chinatown today. But, 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 big but, the dining experience at these larger and fancier restaurants back then was phenomenal. I mean, waitress don't just take your order and bring back your food. No, that would be 
a criminal. The waitress back then took your order. Then they stood in line in front of the kitchen, and they wait for their turn patiently. And when it's their turn, they don't just read the order to the people in the kitchen. No, 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 no. They actually sing out your order to those in the kitchens. Like a cup of quarter, a cup of teas, and an order of dim sum. For those who was in charge of the kitchen, aka the pot master or the controller of your belly, they work like a true ninja, popping out your food out of thin air faster than the kid on the assembly line at McDonald's. I mean, they were true ninja who can pop food out of nowhere. I mean, they was the kind of ninja that you want in your life. And then even the waitress was skillful. The waitress would have three dish on their left side and then twenty dish on their right side. Dishes stack upon dishes like playing competitive dish stacking sport, and they're moving around elegantly. And then they distribute it in exact order in which it has been ordered. It's like Sonic and McDonald have a baby at the Cheesecake Factories, guys. That's how the earliest fine dining restaurant experience was like in China. The first sales pitch to get all this started must be brutal. These businessmen are hungry. I think we can imitate the food their wives make for them back home and charge them a prize. That feels wrong. Isn't that just like food prostitute? Yeah, yeah, just like that. I mean, I don't know how to cook the food their wives cook. What do we do if it doesn't taste good? How about we distract them from entering the kitchens, having waitress singing and dancing, and do a little circus acts while covering up the entrance to the kitchens? What a fine idea! What a difference, right? Nowadays, nobody is singing for you when you go to a Chinese restaurant. The other day, I ordered at a Chinese restaurant, and the waitress said, "You Vietnamese, you not gonna lie." And then she prescribed me something else. I protest a little, saying that what she prescribed to me doesn't sound so appealing. And she goes, "I can make okay, but you're not gonna like." Okay, I'll take what you prescribed then. It turned out she was right and I was wrong. I did like what she prescribed, but still, why would you put something on the menu if you don't think people gonna like it? Also, the table has quickly turned around. Unlike the early waitress who sing and dance and dine and applaud back in those days, now I find myself cracking up jokes, laughing at the waitress jokes, be nice to them. Even if my order was messed up, I keep it to myself. I don't complain. Why? Because I don't want someone sneeze on my food. Oh, this would you, ma'am? This is just perfect. See, dining in. One on one, earliest Japanese restaurant cultures dated back to the 1500 is also amazing. Japanese chef create this multi-courses dining experience, and these full course meals were crafted to tell the stories of a particular place and season. This sushi tells the story of a young fish who keep rolling and rolling. Rolling until he roll 
into your mouth. And this wasabi tell the story of the sushi heaven where he will go next. Unlike Japanese chef who was creating full sensory dining experience, chef in France was more excited about creating a thick menu eaten at a communal table than anything else at this point. Funny to see how things have changed, huh? We have come so far at Golden Corral. But eating a set of meal at a fixed price at a communal table? That is not considered a true restaurant experience. So what is the distinction between a restaurant and a non-restaurant, you may ask? A real restaurant experience is defined as flexible operation hours and flexible food options. So if you have to get there 1 p.m. sharp and eat whatever was on the table, new flash it is not a real restaurant experience by definitions. Wait a minute. You tell me that mama experience wasn't legit? Like I have been cheated my whole life? So the first true restaurant experience in France, believe it or not, didn't really happen until 1760 and the 1770s. And those plays were targeting the enlightened, sensible diner among the wealthy merchant class in Paris serving bouillon. Because let's face it, you can't be enlightened unless you are rich. Class, class, first come the money, then come the enlightenment. And it was explained, knowledge was obtained by being sensitive to the world around us. And one way of showing sensitivity was not eating the rough food associated with the common people. Ew, is that bread? It is so rough and that is so common. Bouillon was a food of choice for the first restaurant in France because according to historians, it is all naturals, bland, easy to digest, yet packed with nutrients. It's not just what was being served, it's how it was served too. Back then, the customer sat at a small cafe-side table. And for the first time ever, they have a printed menu. So they can look and they can think about the options and they can order as opposed to hear some guy say, yo, this is what we have, yo, eat or yo, leave. The way that they did it at McDonald's. But you know, once diner have a taste of bouillon, it, it didn't take very long for them to notice that the wine were missing. And also people wanted real meat, not just broth. Ew. So, friend restaurant quickly adapt and jazz it up. How about a little wine? How about a little stewed chicken? Let's jazz things up a little. But let's remember our first commandment of restaurant though. No commoner food they don't belong here now fast forward to 2020 where commoner like me go to the restaurant taking kids to a fine dine-in establishment is always risky because you don't really know what is gonna happen 
Like the other day, Abriel, my daughter ordered the flatbread because she's mistakenly think all flatbread are like mommy homemade flatbread. Not knowing that Brio flatbread has already went through a transformation and now has been enlightened and became a pizza instead. So when the waitress bought out the flatbread, she took one look at her flat pizza, got so speechless, and she goes, I'm full, mom. The other time, after it took forever to get my food at the Cheesecake Factory, my kid decided to throw up right there and there. Waitress, never mind then. We did get the salmon. It's okay. Thank you for tuning in and listening to me babbling along. Until next week, happily babbly ever after. Mm-hmm.